But do you ever wish that you could have a do-over? Where you've done something, and it didn't go quite the way you wished, or you didn't handle it right. And so you think, I wish that I could just have a second chance and do it again. But only this time, you know, I, I would learn from the past. You know, there's a lot of times I wish that I could have a do-over. Well, it makes me think of the movie Groundhog Day. How many of y'all have seen or even familiar with Groundhog Day, the movie? Okay, it was a movie from the 1990s. I know some of you may not have been born then, but uh, it was a movie from the 1990s with Bill Murray. And I still love this movie. It is the story of a TV weatherman who goes to cover the festivities of Groundhog Day in, I want to make sure I say it right, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And he gets trapped in a time loop where he wakes up, he's there for Groundhog Day, he goes to bed, he wakes up the next morning, 6 o'clock the alarm goes off, it's Groundhog Day again. The next morning the alarm goes off, at 6 o'clock it's Groundhog Day again, and on and on and on. But the beauty of this movie is that because he's reliving that day over and over, he is learning each day things that he could do differently. And so by the end of the movie, he's a much better person because he's learned from his mistakes. The result was positive. And so you're probably thinking, well, what does the movie Groundhog Day have to do with Joshua 7 and 8? Good question. But Joshua and the Israelites got a do-over, just like Phil did in the movie. They saw what happened in the battle the very first time, and they learned from their mistakes. And the second time they did it, they had a different outcome. As I was thinking through, what would be the challenge that I want to give you to take away from this lesson this week? The challenge would be learn from your mistakes. Learn from those things you didn't do well the first time. And, and make those adjustments just like he did in the movie. So this week we studied Joshua 7 and 8. Remember last week I said I loved that generation because they were so obedient to God. And this week um, we study these two chapters. They're two completely different chapters. One chapter is about defeat. The second chapter is about victory. But they're talking about the same city. You have the same armies involved, but there's a different outcome. Chapter 8 was a do-over. It was a groundhog day, if you will. So we pick up the story at the end of the Battle of Jericho. And the last verse of chapter 6, verse 27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Things were going great. This was a high point for Israel. God had parted the Jordan River. He had taken down the walls of Jericho. They were probably thinking, oh, this is just a piece of cake. We're going to waltz through Canaan, and we're just going to take everybody captive. But then we come to chapter 7, and verse 1 begins with that ominous word, but, the three-letter word, And whenever you see that word, but, you know a change is coming. There's going to be a contrast. 
And that's exactly what happens as we move into chapter 7. Because up to this point, Israel had not experienced defeat or disappointment. All they had seen once they crossed the Jordan was victory. But now they're going to suffer their first defeat in Canaan. So let's look at their defeat in chapter 7. And I want to focus on three things about this defeat and what they learned. First, we're going to look at the reason for the defeat. Second, we're going to look at the result. Third, we're going to look at the response. So let's start with looking at the reason for the defeat. Very simply, sin. Specifically, Achan's sin. We're going to look at two different kinds of sin here. But first, it was Achan's. Chapter 7, verse 1. And if you have Bibles and want to open, go ahead and open there. But chapter 7, verse 1 reads, But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. The problem was there was sin among them. And the result was the defeat in the battle of AI or I, and I'll probably say it both ways. There's a lesson for us to remember from this. Unconfessed sin will lead to defeat. If we're going to win our spiritual battles, we have to deal with with sin in our lives. If we don't deal with it, we are most surely going to see defeat. So we learn two things about sin in this verse, and I don't have this on the PowerPoint, but I'm just going to share these. We have two things, learn two things about sin from this verse. One is that sin impacts others, not just us. Even though Achan was one who sinned, the whole nation suffered. And you had this question in your Bible study. Why? Why did they have to suffer for what one man did? Because God saw Israel as one, as a corporate nation, not individuals, but one. And so what one person does affects the whole, the whole nation. Our sin affects more than just us. It, it has an impact on all around us. You know, a drunken driver kills an innocent child, and it affects that family. An affair affects several families. Lying and slander affects people's reputations. Our sin isn't just us. It affects others. So that's the first thing we learn about sin. The second thing about sin is that it angers God. God hates sin. Because he's a holy God. He can't tolerate it. And it tells us that his anger burned against them. So the root problem here was the sin of Achan. However, there are other sins that are going on in this, this situation. And the second area of sins, and I'm, I'm going to make them plural. I'm going to give you several, but they all fit together. The sins of overconfidence self-sufficiency, and pride. Joshua sent some of the men to spy out the city of Ai. And we don't know 
if God instructed him to do that or not. It doesn't tell us in Scripture. Did God say, hey, Joshua, send some spies out? Or did Joshua just decide on his own? Well, I'm, I'm ready to take the next battle. I'm going to go send some spies out. And so he did, and they came back with a very confident report. Hey, Joshua, you don't need to send up many people. Just 2,000 tops, 3,000 men. That's all you need. This is a piece of cake. We got this. And true, um, the, the city of Ai was around 12,000, which was a pretty good-sized town, but compared to Jericho, it probably seemed small to them. And they thought, whew, we got this. They were overconfident, had some pride. We get no indication that Joshua went to the Lord to say, God, is this what you want us to do? We don't read that he sought out God's direction. What do you want, God? How do you want us to approach this city? So he listened to the spies, and off they went, and as you know, um, they were defeated. Verse 5, it says, The hearts of the people melted and became as water. They went from a point of great confidence and a high to a point of all of a sudden they had no heart in them and they were scared and they had no fight. All because of their overconfidence, their pride, their self-sufficiency. And then the question, you had this in your study, uh, if Achan hadn't sinned, would Israel still have lost that battle? I think they would have because I think they had sinned in the camp. It was the pride, the self-sufficiency, going ahead of God. When we fight battles in life, we need to make sure there's no unconfessed sin in our lives, hidden away. And we need to make sure that there's no pride, there's no overconfidence, there's no self-sufficiency of, God, I got this, I don't need you for this. Because every time I step out in my own strength, I fail. And when people have asked me uh, in the past, Cricket, how can we pray for you? How can I pray for you? I'll always say, pray that I don't step out on my own strength. Pray that I won't do things with this ministry or even in my life that are my doing and not God's leading. Because when we step out on our own, we're going to see defeat. So the reason for their defeat was sin. The second thing we wanted to look at is the result of their defeat, and it was discouragement. We just looked at the verse that said that the people's hearts melted and became like water. And now we see Joshua's discouragement in verses 7, I mean, verses 6 through 9. Verse 6 says, Then Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders. And they put dust on their heads. Tearing their clothes and putting dust on their heads, it was a sign of mourning. It was also a sign usually of repentance and confession. But at this point, I think it started out more as it was a sign of just mourning what had happened. They were deeply distressed. Because up to this point, Joshua had done everything right. He had listened to God. He had always sought God out, and now he's in a new place. It's like Emily said a few weeks ago, 
I've not been here before. I'm in a different place. And so he has gone to his face before the Lord because he's looking for answers. And I would guess, we don't know, but I would sense that there's probably some anger there, maybe some frustration with God at first. And and we look at his questions. Let's look at his questions in verses 7 to 9. The first question in verse 7 was, Why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to destroy us? In this first question, he was questioning God's character. He was accusing God of wanting to destroy his people. Why did you do this just to destroy us? You're not a loving God. You're not a God of mercy. You just want to destroy us. Why? And so he's venting to God. There's maybe a little anger there. And then at the second part of that verse, he went to the place of if only. And if only is a dangerous place for us to go to. But he said, if only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. He was in essence saying, if only we had been willing to settle for less than God's best. If only we had been willing to live in this land that wasn't God's best, but it was okay. We were doing okay. Why did we ever want more? Don't live in the land in the place of if onlys. And then the second question in verses 8 and 9, he said, Oh Lord, what can I say? Since Israel has turned their back before their enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. In this second question, Joshua was doubting his own ability to lead the people. He said, what can I say anymore? They're not going to listen to me. These nations aren't going to fear me and the people because of this failure. He was doubting his ability. What can I say now, Lord? I have failed. And he probably thought that this defeat would end his leadership over the people. And then the third question he asks is, what will you do for your great name? And in that third question, he's expressing concern about God's reputation. All of a sudden now, he's moved from sort of that self-pity kind of frustration to where now he's starting to look back at God. And remember the whole reason for this. It's about God and his glory. And he says, what will... You do for your great name. And in Old Testament times, a name was more than just an identity. I'm Cricket. You're Colleen. It was about, a name stood for a reputation, your reputation. So it was more than that. And so Joshua probably felt and was discouraged that he had hurt God's reputation among the nations. So he was discouraged. And defeat tends to do that to us. It discourages us. When I was on staff at my church in Dallas as an associate, um, they called me the associate minister to single women, uh, I was working under the singles pastor, and his wife had shared with me a confidence. And for whatever reason, I was talking to another friend, and I said, you know, Alex was sharing with me about she's struggling with blah, 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 blah. And a week later, Todd, my singles pastor, called me. 
one night. It was about 8 o'clock, and he called, and he said, Cricket, why did you betray my wife's confidence? She shared that with you, trusting that you were going to keep it quiet. And apparently the, the person I shared it with went to Alex and said, Hey, I hear you're struggling with blah, 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 blah. And so Todd gently rebuked me, and I, you know, asked forgiveness and apologized and admitted I I was wrong. And I got off the phone, and I got on my knees. I remember very specifically this day. You remember things like this. I got on my knees by my bed, and I just started bawling and crying to God and saying, God, I'm going to have to quit. I'm going to have to resign. I am not... I'm not deserving to be over this ministry, so I'm a failure. I have blown it. Nobody's going to trust me. You're not going to trust me to share with me anything now. You know, I I just was, was a mess, and I just cried and cried over the sin in my heart. And about that time, about 10 minutes after I'd wallowed in self pity, uh, one of my girls that I was discipling called. And I don't know why I answered the phone. I shouldn't have. But I did. And um, she said, what's wrong with you? You sound like you've been crying. And I said, I have. I've been crying. And I told her what happened. And I said, I think I need to quit. I think I need to step down from this position because I just should not be doing this. And she, my little disciple... Uh, gently exhorted me and said, you know, Cricket, I think, it's, I think you need to apply what you're teaching us to do. And that's confess it and get up and move on and learn from your mistakes. This was one of my disciples. But I'm so thankful that she called Because I needed that. I needed somebody to just get in my face and say, get over it, confess it, learn from it, move on. That's what you're telling us. Let's see it in your life. But my point here is that when you blow it, it can go to discouragement. But that is not God's intent. God never points out sin to discourage us. He points out sin... To help us recognize it so that we can confess it and deal with it and move on. And so we should be thankful when he points out sin. Because he doesn't want us to stay there in discouragement and self-pity. And that's where Joshua started. But he came out of it. And then we move into the third thing, the response. What was the response to the defeat? Well, we're going to look at several. First, God's response. God's response, in Cricket's paraphrase, is just deal with the sin. Just deal with it. Verses 10 to 11, So the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up! Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. And in verse 13, God told Joshua, you cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. God is, in essence, saying, Joshua, now get up. 
and you go deal with the sin in the camp. Let's do something about it. God didn't get angry with Joshua, but he gave him encouragement and direction in what he needed to do. And so that brings us to the second response, Joshua's response, which was obedience. Joshua did exactly what God told him to do. He sought out the guilty one, and he used the instructions from God by lots. You know, God would have them come by tribe. He would choose the tribe, then the family, then the household, and then the individual. Why did God do it that way? Why didn't he just bring them all out and put the finger on Achan and say, this is the guilty one? I think there's several reasons why. I I think one is that it gave them all a chance to examine their own hearts. God, did I do something that brought on this defeat? Is there something that I need to confess? But I also think it was because he wanted to give Achan the chance to step out on his own and say, I did it. I'm guilty, but he didn't. And that gives us an indication of what was going on in Achan's heart, that there was a lack of repentance. Because if, if you're really convicted, you'll just say, I'm so sorry. And that brings us to the third response, Achan's response, a forced confession. He confessed, but it was forced. Joshua asked him, you know, tell me what you've done, my son. Don't hide it from me. And Achan said, well, I'll tell you exactly what I did. I saw something. I wanted it. I took it. And I hid it. I've sinned against God. But he stopped there. He didn't go any further and say, God, please forgive me. There was no sense of repentance in his response. And so his sin led to death because the penalty for sin is death. And thankfully, we don't have to die for our sins because Jesus did it for us. And so with this first battle of Ai, they face defeat. The cause was sin. The result was discouragement. And God's response, deal with it. Deal with the sin. Joshua's response was, I'll do it, Lord. Obedience. And Achan's response was, well, I did it, but I'm not sorry. I did it. I got caught. It was a forced confession. But now we come to chapter 8, a new day. Israel gets a do-over with this battle, a groundhog day, where they wake up and it's like, oh, we can do this all over again. We can learn from our mistakes. Would they handle this second chance differently? Would they learn from their mistakes the first time? Yes. This time they did the battle right. This time they sought God. They sought his help. God, how do you want us to fight this battle? And I'm not going to go into details on this because you've studied it, but they saw victory. There was no sin in their midst. They had dealt with the sin. They followed God. There wasn't a sense of overconfidence and self-sufficiency. And this time they saw victory. When God gives us a second chance, a do-over, a groundhog day, don't make the same mistakes 
twice. Learn from what you did wrong the first time. So as we conclude, I want to give you application now, just three lessons that I want you to take away and apply to your lives from these two chapters. The Israelites' Groundhog Day, as I still call it. Um, Three things that we should remember. One, don't underestimate the enemy. We have a very real enemy in our lives, and that is Satan. They underestimated their enemies, and they were defeated. If we underestimate our enemy, Satan, the world, the flesh, we're in trouble. If we get self-confident and think, I'd never do that, watch out. So that's the first thing. Don't underestimate the enemy. Second principle to take away, don't overestimate yourself. Don't look at yourself and go, got this. God, I don't need you. I'm so good at that. I'm so strong in my walk. Nothing will take me down. Just be careful that we don't put our confidence in ourselves instead of God. And then the third takeaway, don't ignore sin. There will be consequences. We need to deal with sin before it gets control over us. I remember when I was on staff at Western Kentucky, um, I was working with the sororities, and I had a, there, there was just a bunch of rumors and grumbling and growling and Things were being said about me, and I thought, I don't get it. What's going on? And finally, I found out where it was coming from. Uh, A young girl that was jealous of the sororities getting attention, and she was spreading all these rumors about me and trying to stir people up that Cricket doesn't care, and she doesn't care about anybody but them, and on and on and on. And I finally had to sit down with her and confront her. Because I knew that there was sin in the camp, and if that ministry was ever going to grow and, and keep moving forward, I had to deal with the sin that was corrupting that ministry. And she responded immediately. She was not like Aiken. She was like, I am so sorry. I, I did this, and this was my motives, and they were wrong, and please forgive me. And she ended up being one of the best advocates to help me with that ministry. But we need to ignore sin that we see around us. I mean, we, we don't need to ignore sin that we see around us, but we also don't need to ignore sin in our lives. We've got to deal with it. Israel got a Groundhog Day experience. They got a do-over, and they learned And they corrected those mistakes. And so the question for us is, will I learn from my mistakes? And will I make adjustments so that if I get a do-over, I won't make that same mistake again? That's my prayer for us. Learn from your mistakes. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this lesson from Joshua. It's been convicting, but it's been challenging. 
And Lord, I know we all want to see victory in our lives. We want to see victory over the battles that we're struggling with. But Lord, just help us keep the right perspective. Keep us from underestimating the enemy. Keep us from overestimating our own strength. And Lord, help us stay sensitive to sin so that we will deal with it as soon as you show it. Father, we love you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.